host copy overlay? Yeah. And we're okay. live. Oh! And of course, it is my cubby with the most is technical. How are you, darling? I'm doing well. I just noticed a like right as we're going to air a question from a client, and I'm actually answering that. Oh, okay. Um, I'm surprised. I'm impressed by myself. <sighs> For a client that works on the phones uh -huh. and a chat that had 69 references to phones. Uh -huh. I managed to find the one chat that I needed to go back and find so I could answer her question. Oh, that's cute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hello, hello, Miss Brenda. How are you, darling? Hey, Brenda. Oh, and we have that overload. There you go. You found it right as I said it. Mm -hmm. I don't like this one. Aw. Like, See, that one's not where it's supposed to be. Yeah, that one's not where it needs to be. Well, you... well, yeah, and it's not where... Well, yeah, I thought I designed better. Like, I did this off-screen grab, so... Yeah. Yeah, mileage may vary. Mm, but a lot of things, apparently, mileage may vary. Oh. Um, interesting one of Donald Trump's supporters, Alan Alexander, accused of grooming teenage boys... A prominent member of Donald Trump's mega ecosystem apologized for asking teenage boys and young men for sexual explicit images. Essentially, a right-wing extremist has admitted that grooming minors for sexual purposes. Yeah, you know that thing they're afraid that drag queens are doing? You mean that thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, not cool, but, you know, I just want to make sure I was understanding correctly because, you know, we keep talking about these things, you know, and we're all supposed to be afraid of, like, drag time story hour. You know, because, you know, the senators that we pay, the governors that we pay, the representatives that we pay, the mayors that we pay to meet for, like, a couple hours once or twice a month, can't go to the library and volunteer so the dry queen step up to do it and you have a problem. Yeah. Oh, well, here's a sentence you don't get to every day. Uh, uh, so, Ali Alexander's uh, sexual behavior has been the subject of rumors among conservatives since 2015. 
According to reporting by the Daily Beast, a simmering tension erupted last month after Alexander, an anti-Semitic uh, white supremacist, Nick Fuentes, expelled Milo Yiannopoulos from a Kanye West project. Oh, quote, Alexander wants to come to your events to have sex with underage boys, Yiannopoulos texted Fuentes in 2022. Snap out of it. Yiannopoulos claims Alexander sexually propositioned both adult men and adolescents. However, it was Yiannopoulos' comments on pedophilia in 2017 that ended his career as a far-right pundit. More damaging videos are coming, Yiannopoulos has promised. So it's, it's, it's so nice that they met each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alexander used Yiannopoulos' name to draw in the boys, and a screenshot indicates that Alexander offered to introduce a teenager to Yiannopoulos, according to the Beast. It's because of Alexander using him that he's coming forward with these details that the, the disgraced far-right activist said. So we were okay with him. Like, I'm just trying to understand... The, mm-hmm. the the MAGA crowd here. So you're okay. You were you were okay mm-hmm. with him, you know, grooming children right until he used your name to to get one of them? Basically. Interesting. Like you know, I'm so tired being tired of these, you know, anti-gay bills, anti-LGBT bills, anti-trans bills running at, running through sentences, and it being backed by these MAGA heads and idiot people that cannot even follow basic human decency, and them accusing, oh, yeah. you know, drag queens of their crimes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because it gets better. Quote, this is too gay. Alexander said in a statement Friday night, quote, I apologize for any inappropriate messages sent over the years. So he's not denying. Yeah. Like, busted, I'm a child molester, but, you know, this is really gay, Uh apparently. He added, quote, when I've flirted or others have flirted with me, I've flexed my credentials or dropped corny pickup lines. Other times I've been careless and should have qualified those coming up to me, uh, to me's identities during flirtatious banner at the start. Oh, so you didn't know they were children. That's what you're going to claim. That's, that's what you're going to claim. Is the oh well I flirted with kids but I didn't know better. Oh, go on down two more paragraphs for me because this one just blow just aggravates me. All right, one accuser, Aiden Duncan, said in a March podcast that Alexander asked him for nude pictures in 2017 when Duncan was 15. The then 32-year-old Alexander had served in politics for over 10 years at the time. He told Duncan that as long as he was silent about their interactions, he'd introduce the team to his far-right network. Quote, you'll have me sharing my entire network with you, Alexander told Duncan, based on screenshots reviewed by the Daily Beast. 
According to those screenshots, Alexander offered Duncan Yiannopoulos in order to keep him in touch. Alexander suggested the teenage entertain Yiannopoulos in exchange on September 4th, 2017, suggesting the boy be Alexander's arm candy. The piece reports other screenshots showed Duncan sending Alexander a picture, which was redacted in the version of the screenshot reviewed by the Daily Beast. Alexander responded with the face and heart eyes emoji and asking the teenager which app Alexander should use to send him money. Oh, the outlet goes into detail about Alexander's repeated rules for the two staying in contact. At one point, Alexander wrote that Duncan could say no, but that Alexander would deprive Duncan of something. Allowed to say no. However, the less you have, uh, the less you deprive me of, the less I deprive you of. I'm a big sharing person until it's not even the message read. Ooh. During a podcast appearance with white supremacist Richard Spencer, Duncan asserted that Alexander insisted he become his intern. He also wanted him to get his parents to believe that he was uh, at a swim meet. So, okay, okay, okay. So, what part of To Catch a Predator did not seem familiar when you were asking a teenager to lie about the time they were spending with you? Right. To their parents. Like, tell me how your internship is a legitimate internship if he has to lie to his parents about being there. Right. Now, argumentatively, I think if my gay teenage son at 15 were, you know, going off to to intern for MAGA Republicans, I could potentially see problems. Well, I can see multiple like, problems. My question is, why is this asshole knocking down? Oh, yeah, because he's in uh, politics. Oh, so, yeah. 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 So, Alexander complained in May 2019 that Duncan wasn't providing him with materials containing sexually explicit content. You don't even send me videos anymore, wrote Alexander, according to the screenshot seen by the bees. No good jack-off material. Don't even want to be by my uh, side piece. In the years since, Duncan has gained some fame as Smiley, a member of Fuentes' racist America First movement. A second teen was also interviewed by the Beast. During the summer of 2019, Alexander began messaging Lance Johnson, who was then 17 years old. Over 100,000 people followed him on right-wing TikTok. Throughout their conversation, Johnson and Alexander began to discuss politics. A friend told Johnson about Alexander's history of asking for private photos. Alexander approached the teenager about sex, Johnson told the Beast. Alexander used the eggplant emoji to request a photo of the teenager's penis on the night of Trump's social media summit, where Trump cited Alexander as an example of conservatives being silenced on social media. Maybe he fucking should be. Yes. Maybe you should be reeled and put into a box and left there. Yeah. So, quote, show me your eggplant emoji. Alexander wrote in one message, according to a screenshot, what's that? Johnson replied back. Alexander responded, oh, my God, dick. 
According to Johnson, he took a screenshot of the exchange, rejected Alexander, and promptly blocked him. However, for fear of repercussions from others on the right, Johnson didn't bring the issue up publicly. The screenshot eventually made right-wing circles, which led to Alexander taking a video to defend his actions. Johnson told the outlet that Fuentes uh, even contacted him about sending a text to Alexander and said that the image was actually doctored. He also said Fuentes had offered him a job in exchange for doing so. Johnson maintains the images are real. Fuentes has denied he tried to get Johnson to recant. Uh, Duncan and Lance were willing to go along flirting with Ali to varying degrees without any protest because they thought it would advance their political careers, Fuentes wrote on Telegram over the weekend. If you're flirting with adult gay men because you think it's going to land you a job, you know full well what you're doing, and it's gross. Sorry, but even at 15, I would have never sent nudes to an adult gay man. There's something wrong there. Oh, blame the victim. Blame the victim. Duncan, I'm rereading this. I'm rereading this. Duncan and Lance were willing to go along flirting with Allie to varying degrees without any protest because they thought it would advance their political... 15 and 17 years old, their political careers. Fuentes wrote on Telegram over the weekend, if you're flirting with adult gay men because you think it's going to land you a job, you know full well what you're doing, and it's gross? I'm sorry, the 15 and 17-year-old and what they were doing, that's gross. Okay. Sorry, but even at 15, I would have never sent news to an adult gay man. There's something wrong there. Sure. Yep, there's something. There's something, buddy. There's something. Mm-hmm. It's not what you think, but it's something. Yeah, again, it's like, what, what planet, you know, why do we keep, and I remind people, keep mm-hmm. having this issue. I mean, we've got ladybugs in the Senate acting like prima donna. Like, I am just waiting for Santosini to, you know, shuffle off in his white cowboy boots and for the escorts to start telling us exactly how much they're making at the Capitol in Florida. Um, But this this is arrestable. Yeah, several far-right figures have dissociated themselves in response to the accusations. Right. You don't say. You don't say. Yeah. God. Well, thank you, Advocate, for that reporting. If you want to look at that one up, because you, you know, are stumbling in here. And you're like, that couldn't happen. This is Donald Trump supporter Ali Alexander accused of grooming teenage boys from The Advocate on today at mm-hmm. 4 p.m. Yes, 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 yes. So go have fun with that one. Um, what the hell? I mean, okay, let's 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 have some honest conversation here. I I've been on like gay websites and gay apps for years right actually a couple of decades just about at this point no i've been on it for decades yeah so uh, 
I, I'm not going to say there are not children who wander into these sites. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, you know, I will definitely tell you I've had a couple or a few over the years hit me up. This is why I have a very firm belief there's no such thing as an 18-year-old online. Mm-hmm. They don't exist. They right. do not exist. No one who says they're 18 is ever actually 18 online. I have a firm rule about that. Two, it's not that hard. Right. Not that hard to figure out you are not talking to a fully grown adult. Right. It's usually pretty quick. Right. Like, and the only appropriate response is report and block. Report mm-hmm. and block. It's a two-prong action. You first report the profile for being underage, and then you block said profile. Right. But the you other one that they were like throwing bait about that he was using for bait, and that's what he was doing was using for bait. Isn't that the one that has given us trouble before and you know has been thrown off social media for saying like 13-year-olds should be married? Um, I think that's Yanopoli. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 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 no. He's only tangential to the story. He's just the one spilling the tea. Right. Uh, which, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. He's basically been, you know, a groomer himself. So, you know. Right. Like, he's had no problem with groomers. Right. He's He's very much been supportive of the idea that, you know, teenage boys or teenagers right. um, should have, you know, that the, there should be no such thing right. as statutory rape, effectively. Right. It's just seeming theory. Yeah. Um, one second, I might get us some really good quotes on that one. Oh. Yeah, so back in 2017, um, the, let's see, NPR reported Milo Yiannopoulos is having a very bad few days. The 32-year-old conservative provocator resigned from Breebert, lost a book contract, and a high-profile speaking engagement after past remarks resurfaced showing him seemingly praising pedophilia. Um, So, one second there. I got to pop up. So, Milo Yiannopoulos has always courted controversy, and now he is being consumed by it. In just 48 hours, the provocator has lost a major book contract and a high-profile speaking gig. And this afternoon, he resigned from his job at Breebert News. This was all after a videotape surfaced of him defending pedophilia. As NPR's David uh, Falkenfick reminds us, Yiannopoulos has said plenty of offensive things before now. Right. Um, So, yeah. So, on Real Time with Bill Maher, Yiannopoulos said, All I care about is free speech and free expression. I want people to be able uh, to be, do, and say anything. Um... And yeah, so then he turns around and says, I do not accept that a Hollywood, you know, that the star of a Hollywood blockbuster, the 
A-list mega celebrity is sitting in a Hollywood mansion crying over mean words on the internet. Get over it. Right. Uh, most of the generation Trump, the alt-right people, the people who like me, they're not anti-Semites. They don't care about Jews. I mean, they have some assumptions about Jews. They may have... Okay, so where is it? Ah, oh, come on, NPR. Your reporting's starting to hurt. Oh, some of those relationships between younger boys and older men, the sort of coming-of-age relationships, the relationships in which these older men help those young boys to discover who they are and give them security and safety and provide them with love, and two participants objected that it sounded as though Yiannopoulos would have had no problem with the pedophilia that occurred in the Catholic Church. And you know what? I'm grateful for Father Michael. Uh, yeah, yeah, so no, he has a major support for pedophilia, basically, is where Yiannopoulos is. Right. So both of them. Yeah. All right, so we're hearing a lot of negative news. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, the big news stations are broadcasting, you know, this state banning trans rights, this state banning women's rights, this state hey, banning... Hey, you got a clip to play. I do? Where do I have a clip to play at? Looking for it. Help me here. Oh, do we have it under the wrong brand? Yeah. Oops. All right. Anyhow, I want to talk about Colorado. Okay. Colorado governor signs bills to protect abortion and gender affirming care rights. All right. So, yeah, Democratic Governor Jared Polis of Colorado signed a trio of bills Friday that further protect the rights of, uh, to abortion and gender-affirming services in the state as access to the so-called abortion pill across the country remains in limbo and some neighboring uh, conservative states have moved to restrict such procedures. So, Polis's signature comes a year after he signed a measure to codify the right to abortion into Colorado law months before the U.S. Supreme Court eliminated federal protections for abortion rights by overturning Roe v. Wade. At the same time, conservative neighboring states, Oklahoma and Wyoming, have passed strict abortion bans, while in Utah, Republican Governor Spencer Cox signed a bill earlier this year banning hormone treatment and surgical procedures for minors seeking gender-affirming care. One of the bills Paul signed, SB 23-188, sets Colorado up to be a haven for people from states with more restrictive laws who are seeking access to abortion and gender-affirming treatment. The new law bars Colorado courts or judicial officers from issuing subpoenas in connection with a, uh, with a proceeding in another state that involves a person who receives or, quote, performs assists or aids in abortion or gender-affirming treatment in Colorado, both of which are legally protected in the state. So Democratic Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham of New Mexico, Colorado's blue neighbor to the south, also signed legislation last month that prohibits local municipalities and other public bodies from interfering with a person's ability to access reproductive or gender-affirming health care services in the state, 
quote, I'm proud to sign these pro-freedom laws to further uphold Colorado's value of protecting access to reproductive health care, Paulus told CNN in a statement. Here in Colorado, we value individual freedoms and we stand up to protect them. So another bill Paula signed into law directs large employers to provide coverage for the total cost of abortion care starting next year. The third law will make it a deceptive trade practice for an entity to advertise that it, quote, provides abortions, emergency contraceptives, or referrals for abortions or emergency contraceptives, end quote, when it does not, according to a bill summary, a healthcare provider would also be subject to disciplinary measures if it provides, prescribes, administers, or attempts medication abortion reversal in violation of any related rules by state authorities. The three bills passed the state's Democratic-controlled state legislature earlier this month. Probably more and more like a new home. Well, you know... So, of course, Republicans have criticized the new laws, which uh, with State House Minority Leader Mike Lynch saying they deny a woman the right to choose, quote, alternative options other than to end her pregnancy. What? What? The right? Hold on. It removes a woman's ability to choose options. No, bitch. No, bitch. Yeah. No. No, that is not. How, Mike Lynch, do you make that sentence and feel so confident spouting that? It does not remove her ability to choose non-abortion care. It ensures that she does not get forced into having a child because a service claims to offer abortion care when it, in fact, does not right it simply runs out the clock until it is no longer possible mm -hmm. it's insane oh yeah so as paula signed the bills into law friday the fate of access to the abortion drug um the abortion pill right i never can pronounce that one Continue to play out in courts after a U.S. district judge in Texas said last week that he would suspend the Food and Drug Administration's approval of the abortion pill. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito on Friday extended a hold on that lower court ruling in an effort to give justices more time to consider the issue. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. In my opinion, this is all bonkers. You know, it's strange that we are looking at this. To a state that will protect our rights. The U.S. Washington has proven it will not protect our rights. Um, Basically. You know, it may be a eventual move. It may be a move that happens next year. It may be a move that I'm sick of it. Load mother into the RV. We're heading across country. Call me a relative. <laughs> oh, but in other interesting news, Alex Baldron. Oh, Alex Baldwin. Yes. Peddles his oh. wife when he received the news that the charges were dropped in the Rust shooting. Oh, yeah. So after criminal charges against Alec were dropped in the death of cinematographer uh, Helena Hutchins, uh, Hilaria posed a, or posted a personal staff of the couple to Instagram. 
So, yeah, Alec Baldwin and Hilaria are showing appreciation for the love they have for each other after criminal charges against Alec were dropped in the death of Russ cinematographer Helena Hutchins. Hilaria posted a somber, intimate photo of her and her husband, simply sharing a single heart in the caption. Hilaria's Thursday post showed Alec, 65, holding her on his lap and in his arms. Alec's eyes were closed as his wife, 39, had her head bowed down with uh, her hair covering her face. Messages of support poured in for the couple who shares seven children together in the comments section, which Hilaria had set to limited. Support and true love, one follower wrote, while another added, so happy for you both. You made it through with a really tough situation. So much love and respect you have for each other. Oh, so yeah. So he gets so, to literally shoot somebody and not even get charged with poor gun control. I, well, I think some of that probably has to do with what the actual lawsuit was. Well, it wasn't. This one was criminal charges for negligently controlling a weapon. And it may just be that they have overcharged. Right. What they could actually get a conviction on, right? Now, granted, you know, in twenty and and twenty two, Alex and the other roast producers settled for death suits. Along with that settlement, they are going to finish taping the movie. Of course, you know, to prevent boycott of the movie, the some proceeds will go to the family. But it's like, are we really? Are we really at this? You know, and it's just tiring. It's tiring. I think Mexico got to the point they couldn't afford this case. This is where the federal criminal, federal government has stepped up and said, oh, we'll give you money to process this. Now, what I find alarming, and we'll get to that after the break, because we need to take a partial break. Okay. Hi, this is Sandy Starr. I'm a psychic. And I work on Keen, and I have been working on Keen for over 22 years. You can reach me on 01068. I deal with a myriad of subjects, but I do specialize in relationships, marriages, divorces, is he cheating, is she cheating? Whatever the dynamic of the relationship is, I will guide you through. I've got amazing radar for cheaters. so. I will tell you the truth if he or she is cheating. I can help with any subject you need me to help you with besides relationships. And I look forward to hearing from you. Again, you can reach me through Keen. My extension number is 01068. I really look forward to hearing from you and helping you with whatever you need me to help you with. Hi, I'm Tracy Van. I'm a psychic medium and I work with tarot cards. I also practice Reiki and access bars. I would like to share with you what a reading with me is like. It is a blended reading of psychic and mediumship. And I deliver these messages exactly as they come through. I'm not going to mince words or add any padding. I am a professional, reliable, and honest communicator. I have readings available anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour. You can book a reading with me at tracyvan.com. That's T-R-A-C-Y-V 
V-A-N-N.com. And know I'll always tell you exactly what you need to hear. Hey, everybody. Natalie here from The Pendulum's Path. If you are in need of guidance, direction, spiritual connection, healing, or more, you have come to the right place. I have worked as a psychic and a medium for over three years, connecting people from all over the world with their loved ones, giving them insight and guidance into their current situations, their past healings, their blockages, and what they need to know in order for them to have a better future. It would be my absolute honor if you would come to my website at www.thependulumspath.com, visit my shop. I have a whole bunch of crystals, oils, bombs, mystery boxes, and more. And visit my services. I offer 15-minute, 30-minute, and 60-minute sessions. I also have email readings available if you're not comfortable with the one-on-one session with me, or if you just want to try me out. I encourage you to come visit me at the Pendulum's Path, and let's get you back on the right track today. Hey everybody, Lady Gwendolyn here from Rowan Temple of Light, and I'm here to tell you about our events this summer. First up is Beltane in the Hills, May 13th, and that is from 1 to 6. We have entertainment, we have a bunch of vendors, we have a fairy photo shoot, it's going to be exciting. If you have any questions, uh, reach out to Earth Magic or to myself. Um, after that, we have uh, Central West Virginia Pagan Pride, August 19th. That's at Holly Gray Park from 11 to 5 for the day. And we will have Sarah Masters coming down from Pittsburgh to be our keynote speaker. We have some great classes for that. So, if you want to get involved, reach out to Rowan Temple of Light at Gmail or just follow us along on Facebook at Rowan Temple of Light, and we look forward to seeing you out in the community. See you there. All right. All right, let's talk about some flight attendants making some side cash in the unions. Like, oh, no, we're going to hunt that shit down. Oh, yeah. So union will help American Airlines track down and fire flight attendants who sell their job duties. This is from Viewed from the Wing today. Um, The American Airlines Flight Attendants Union has been in negotiations with the company since before the pandemic. They've requested a federal mediator for negotiations, even though they continue reporting to their membership details of the progress they're making. The union reported at the end of last week that they've come to an agreement over how to handle flight attendants who, quote, sell their seniority a group known as the cartel offering up their trips to more junior crew in exchange for uh, cash, $200 on average or other favors. American wanted sole discretion in determining who is engaging in this activity. The union agreed to help put a stop to it as long as they got shared say in the standards that were used. Um, So the company modified and we agreed to new language in section 10.B to address cartel issues. The company proposal gave them sole discretion to choose the objective metrics used to determine if a flight attendant was using the scheduling systems to circumvent seniority. The agreed upon language provides that APFA and the company will mutually agree upon a process to address seniority abuse through an objective metric. Offenders may find themselves restricted from TTS, UVL, or ETB 
In fact, it's actually pretty obvious when the, uh, this is happening, when Ultra Junior Cabin Crew get to regularly pick up Tel Aviv, Delhi, London Heathrow, and South America. Of course, the nice travel destinations, you know? The long-haul flights. Yeah. Um, but the union is effectively throwing those members under the bus. The union isn't taking the traditional position that their members own their schedules and can do with them what they want. Um, they're offering to work with the company to ferret out their own members, and they aren't even claiming to be getting anything in exchange. The contract American Airlines flight attendants are working under is unusual as part of an agreement that got union leadership at the time on board with U.S. Airways taking over the combined carrier out of a bankruptcy. There was a deal for a joint flight attendant agreement, conditional labor agreement, that was imposed without legacy Air American Airlines flight attendants ever voting for it. Many crew thought they were sold down the river by a union head who was cousins with the treasurer of U.S. Airways. There were a number of, of unusual things in the deal. As I understand it, union reps got big raises, paid for 110 hours of trip removal each month for their union work, nearly a 40% bump, and they can still pick up extra flying, which they can drop and give to friends through trip trade. So it's a bit ironic for the union leadership to agree to crack down on backroom dealing and trip trades. I don't actually expect a contract before the fall because currently union leadership needs to get reelected first. If they agree to a contract that's for less than what members unrealistically expect, they'll get voted out of office and the company isn't going to give them something generous enough to run on. Instead, they need to get voted back into office before they're in a position to negotiate pay increases and then tell their members it's the best they could do. I am just reminded of Pan Air every sentence of this every sentence of this article. I hear Hogan okay. playing in my head. All right. No, I, yeah, that, that's some pretty shady crap going on across the board. Um, I, I don't think I would want my union head being a family member of the company they're a union for. Right. Seems like that might be a little bit conflicty. Mm -hmm. uh, you really don't want to screw up the family reunion with that. Right. But no, the fact that, like, so you already accept it's a, it's fine for union leadership mm -hmm. to make backroom deals and trip trades. But then you're going to go after flight attendants who you represent for doing the exact same thing. Right. Okay. It, you know, interesting. Um, but I do think that, that some of this, what they're talking about really has more to do with like their, uh, a lot of their senior flight attendants, which understandably, these are long flights and high-paying passengers. Right. You want them to get the best service possible. Right. Um, so you want to use your most senior staff. Mm -hmm. um, like, I can follow that. Um, but you're effectively going to be putting them in a position that only your most senior... Mm-hmm 
are or potentially predominantly only your most senior and just a very small smattering of junior staff are ever going to get the experience right and i in addition to everything else that goes into flying i would think that if as long as it stays reasonable and you don't have a whole flight of junior crew right because I mean, no one wants that. I, I think we can all be smart enough to think mm, that might not be your best choice. Right. Like you know, a couple of of long haul crew that that are inexperienced isn't the worst thing in the world. Right. As long as you have some senior staff that that can take over and in you know, not just pass out the towels and the you know blankets and your peanuts. Situations. And your dramas and your wine, right? But you get what I'm saying that that when it that should the flight move away right. from being your normal, we took off, we flew through the air, we landed, we did the normal flighty things, uh-huh. um, and became an emergency situation. Of course, you want you know for an extended flight time. To have some crew that have a clue what the hell you do in an emergency situation. And I'm not talking like the plane's going to crash. I'm talking about like, you know, a passenger becomes unruly and a pass- and you've got to deal with them for 11 hours. Well, um, that's, where, that's where I highly recommend duct tape should be part <laughs> of the pre-check filing list. Rope should be another pre-check item. Um, we do not want guns or mace. Um... So that least chloroform should be part of your pre-check kit to deal with unruly passengers. Um, yeah, no, these are not FAA approved at all. Well, rope and duct tape are. They're just normally required to be part of your um, baggage carriage. Well, yes, yes, yes. You're, uh, they're not your carry-on. They're your check luggage. Yes. But, yeah. No, so I... No, but anyway, I, I I can understand junior crew not wanting to wait 20, 30, 40 years to get some of the perks mm-hmm. of being a flight attendant. Like, you didn't get into this just to keep flying between, like, you know, Newark and Orlando. All right. Like, I'm assuming. I think, uh, I think American Airlines actually does that trip. But, like, no, you don't want to spend your entire, like, flight attendant career right just doing you know like 10 20 years going right. back and forth back and forth back and forth you want to see some of the rest of the world that's what they sold you right on taking this position and i can understand the airline doesn't want to necessarily have an entire flight or predominantly crew an entire uh, flight with people who don't know what the hell they're doing on a long haul flight Right. Um, you know, but I don't think going after the flight attendants themselves. Yeah, no. Yeah. But, no. All right. So, this, unfortunately, we heard but BuzzFeed is closing down. And that's kind of sad because they do some really good reporting. Kind of like the miracle here that's coming through. And let's move to this one. All right. 
So when you're polyamorous, figuring out who's paying for what can be complicated. Quote, if you need money to go date six different people in your city and you can't have guests at your house, so every date requires a restaurant and a hotel room, that requires some money. So Daniel, 37, had some financial trouble when he was married. He and his then-wife shared their money, but they disagreed about how they ought to spend it. Quote, my wife would spend her money on just about any ad that came on her phone, Daniel said. Little things, big things, we never established more than a few hundred shared dollars before it would restart again at zero. After the marriage ended, Daniel felt like his future relationships would require heightened communication around money. Now he's in a four-person polycule and finances remain separate. Daniel, who works for an education company, lives with his partner, Helen, who works in medicine in Cleveland, Ohio, and they have a child together. Daniel's financial horror story with his ex-wife isn't unique. I think all of us have bad experiences with partners taking money out of a shared account, and none of us want to repeat that experience, he added. There's no run-of-the-mill financial playbook for a polycule, just as the relationship structure itself is totally different for each individual iteration, so are the economics. In other words, there are a lot of ways to do things, and polyamory is fundamentally about a belief that one size doesn't fit all. I used to fantasize about sharing a bank account with someone else. The idea of pulling financial resources struck me kind of radically romantic. Your money and your partner's money would merge a financial parallel to the emotional joining of personhoods. Until I was in my mid-twenties, I imagined finding the one. But I didn't find the one. I found the ones. I started exploring polyamory when I was 27, and I never looked back. Now I'm married with a long-term boyfriend, a long-term girlfriend, and a daughter. I have more love in my life than my puny childhood imagination can compute. But my bank account remains my own, and it isn't going to change anytime soon. I interviewed members of 17 polycules about their finances. Sometimes I spoke to an individual representative, and sometimes the whole group at once. Some people preferred to talk on the phone, and others answered the questions via email. And the only common thread was that there wasn't one. Some polycules share a bank account. Some do things individually. Some engage in combinations. Many of the people I interviewed aren't out as polyamorous and requested that only their first names appear here to protect their privacy. Millie, a writer, Nick, a healthcare consultant, and Cynthia, who preferred not to disclose her occupation, live in Toronto and they practice egalitarian polyamory, or polyamory without hierarchy, which they talk about on their social media account, Decolonizing Love. Millie and Nick, who have been together for 12 years, share ownership of a house while Cynthia and Nick, who have been together for two years, are working towards buying a house together. Nick alternates between living with Millie and Cynthia on a week-by-week basis. Millie and Nick have more shared expenses, like a mortgage and other homeownership bills, while Cynthia and Nick's only share groceries. Millie and Nick said that they've had disputes around what they call nesting privilege and homeownership. People we've dated who were new to polyamory have felt secondary, Millie said, because she and Nick have combined finances and share a house together. Other partners have sometimes felt like the two of them were only were the only legitimate couple and that anyone outside that couple wasn't as important. Millie told me that resolving those issues required patience and reassurance that other partners were just as important. 
legal ties and financial entanglement can make some relationships feel more important than others, which is in direct conflict with the idea of a non-hierarchical non relationship structure. Others have found the poly lifestyle to be refreshingly free of financial conflict. Jade 29, Daniel 33, and Amy 30 are in a triad and share a shotgun house in New Orleans together. Daniel, an educator, and Ami, an AmeriCorps service member, have been together for a decade and have been ethically non-monogamous since the second year of their relationship. Jade, an artist, started dating Daniel three and a half years ago. Ami and Jade started dating shortly thereafter. Jade and Daniel got married this past January. The three split their rent evenly and take care of their personal bills, like car payments, insurance, and school tuition, individually. Right now, Daniel's job is the most lucrative, so he contributes a little more to shared resources like groceries and the power bill. We haven't had to have hard conversations about our finances as a house because it's natural for us to take turns supporting each other when needed, Daniel said. All right. So, yeah, this goes on for a bit. Do we want to keep going? No, I want, I want to have discussion on this. Okay. Yeah. You know, we finally got joint accounts. Like, that was probably our biggest move. Well, I do like... Um, sorry, that was your mom. Um, so we'll call her back later. Um, so Brenda says, I never thought of sharing a bank account as romantic. I haven't either. I, I've, I've never seen a shared bank account as being romantic. Well, see, I'm weird. Here's okay. the weirdness of this. Um, there's different, you know, in a married traditional man and woman couple, there are different stages of the relationship. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, there is the dating and serious dating and long-term relationship and then you have engagement and then you have marriage and then you have first child second child fifth child and then someone's got to die there mm -hmm. however in my view of a relationship you have you know serious dating long-term dating <laughs> the move-in which is kind of like the engagement like fine you can share my space and then you start building a life together, which is the shared bank accounts, in my view. Mm -hmm. I know you were like, whatever, I don't care. I'm just tired of not I'm tired of not having cards and or whatever. Well, for me, it was more so about like we were sharing expenses, mm -hmm. but we were having to do that through here's my card. Right. And it was becoming kind of an annoyance to, mm -hmm. to keep being in that situation where you have to first remember, not my card. Uh huh. So if I get asked for identification, this is going to be fun. Mm -hmm. And two, not my pen number. Yeah. Um. So if I if it prompts me and forces me to use a pen number, oh God, don't enter the wrong one. Right. So. You know, those are always kind of an issue. Like, I don't want to go through that moment of, like, I did not steal shit. Yeah. I don't want to have, I do not want to have to defend that. I don't want to have to call you and you figure out how to get there. And, you know, go, look, this is my card. Here's my ID, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know. Like, right. Uh... You know, 
there's all that. And, the, you know, and Brenda says signs of trust. Yep, signs of commitment. Yep. But not as romantic. No, not as romantic. You know, not as romantic as, I don't know, signing a contract that basically releases your rights as a human to another person. No, I don't find that romantic either, but... Throw some flowers and a church and a dra- overpriced dress and a bag. And it's a marriage license. And it's a marriage license. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. The non-monogamy was a long time of coming. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on that front, uh, when you put it like that, no one wants to do it. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we do finances a lot differently in this house. <laughs> We do. Um, a lot differently than these couples. Mm-hmm. You know, but we also have more complications because I noticed these couples all have jobs. Like, yes. W 2 jobs. Yes. Yes. Whereas we have one W 2 job and three enterprises. Yeah, the W 2 isn't paying a mortgage. Yeah. Like, as in. That's not the income level there on the W two, right? Um, so yeah, no, there's a there's a <laughs> oh poor Shannon tumbles in yelling, shut up, please. It's oh, okay, Shannon, honey. Get your coffee, get your tea. Tell us what you're drinking. Make yourself comfortable. No need to be shitting your way. We yeah, don't really, you know, you hop in when you hop in. Um, um, and I, I, I. I kind of have to to struggle with um how you can really work a polycule Uh and shared living space Uh without doing some kind of joint accounting like you can't like it's problematic yeah let's just go with that to try to pay one third of a power bill it's aggravating as hell we had this. Yeah. We had this situation come up the last month. So everyone has watched, and yes, there is an episode coming out tomorrow of the Psychic the Budgets. You guys get to see how we run our budget. Well, the Invisible has taken it upon himself to pay into the budget. Um, to pay the power bill. Thanks to LastPass, he has access to LastPass. So I'm sitting here. We have wrote out the bills. We have done this beautiful budget. It looks amazing. We have my, you know, our goals, what we as a household need to bring in every day, the whole 99 tacos. Right. So I do my normal thirsty moment. Fuck, I got to pay bills. God, I cannot wait till we automate this shit so I don't have to go through this. Uh-huh. Oh, fine. Log into the AEP account. And it doesn't match my budget. And I almost, in my pre-one-pot-of-coffee brain, overpaid them. Like, pay the amount on the budget. That's what we owe. That's what we're paying. No. It rejected it. And I'm like, what the fuck? Don't make me have to get on the bank and yell at the bank for rejecting my card. No, the power company won't let me pay in advance. Yeah, they they won't let you overpay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, but no, um, so yeah, there's a lot of different thoughts on it. Um, the problem with having the shared expenses account mm-hmm. is sometimes like, cause my income is all over the place. Right. Like some months are great. Some months are just like, well, that was a month. My, right. you know, my income and expenses about equal. Um, but some months are way better than that. Right. Um, so doing, a, this is where not being a standard W-2 wage earner and being self-employed become, again, a bit of a problem. Right. Um, because I can't just set an amount and go, well, that's one third. Right. Um, nor would anyone really want me to. I think that would probably not be good because there have been months I've carried the bills. Yeah. You know back when I actually had, you know, money sitting in an account that, that was just there, right. um, you know, what I had savings, um, there, there was a point where like, you know, things went kind of wonky and it was like, here, I, you know, we'll pay the bills, just pay the bills. Right. Um, and that was great and that was wonderful and everything got better. Right. Um, thankfully. Yeah, so some months you put in more, somewhat you can. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, But it does make it a little... We all have private accounts, Uh and then we have shared accounts, and then we all have ways to access, i.e. deposit into, shared accounts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, predominantly, we also do this through, like, money transfer. Right. Um, Like PayPal. Just, here you go. And we, it it becomes one person's account, usually his, um, because he's going to be the one that pays the bill. Right. Um, you know, it becomes the system when someone, someone else pays the bill. That's my whole point is it fucks up the whole damn system of brain. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's like, no, we can't do this people. Do not fuck with my brain. Do not mess up my Thursday morning routine. It's never fun. Yeah. It throws everything off. But oh. yeah, now you know when I pay bills. Yeah. Yeah. But no. So, you know, that's how this this hinge works. The and we will lay the flavors out for people who are in the lifestyle to get it. The hinge handles the bills in this household. We also handle management of assets. The two uh, wings wings of the hinge or points of the hinge throw money at the pot. I throw in the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You do. I do. But you know, before you know, I, we've tried. Lord knows, we tried to do the independent thing where everyone had their own accounts. Guess what happens when everyone has their own accounts and they're responsible for um, um, never run out of coffee on Bill Day. No, we never run out of coffee. <coughs> never Period. Run out of coffee. Period. It is on the it is on the short list of I don't care if the power's cut off, it must be in this house. Um but we tried this. Okay, you take care of the power and the water, and you take care of the sewer, and you take care of this, and you take care of that. That blew up. Yeah. 
We tried the, okay, this is your one-third, this is your one-third, this is your one-third. No, at that time it was this is your one-fourth, this is your one-fourth, this is your one-fourth, this is your one-fourth, this is your one-fourth. That was insane. It took us 10 months to recover from. Yes. Yes. That, that, that was never going to work. No. Um, unfortunately. I mean, just, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, I think you got traumatized when I attempted to pass off the bill paying behavior to you. And it's just um, our money flows. Well, no, I was I was fine with the process. We were just having to do some some finagling mm-hmm. that was a little harder to follow. Right. Because it on paper basically looked like negative spending, and I'm like, no, you don't do that. Right. And it's like, um, no, it's actually positive spending. It's just you gotta calculate the you gotta know when part A moves to part C to get to part B. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 But, no, what is your thoughts on relationships and money? Because this is one of the number one reasons I see relationships blow up. Um, my, like, I don't have a problem with those that are saying with independent accounts, if uh-huh. it works for them. Uh-huh. And they all independently have jobs. So they're, you know. Right. If, if they're all W-2 earners and they right. all independently, you know, have income. Right. Um, then you can balance out everything else. Right. Um, the problem can come in when you're talking about one or more of you right. in your polycule are working on uh, working in a non-W-2 situation. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be problematic in terms of like there's not going to be a consistency for a consistent input right like sometimes it's a lion's share of money coming in and sometimes it isn't mm-hmm. um and the isn't may last a while right um and then so it is a bit feasty family um right. so it's not you can't have the same ex- expectation as someone who gets a set <laughs> like here's your x dollars on the second friday and fourth uh, second and fourth friday of every month mm-hmm. like you can't really roll with that right um you, you like it just does not work right um you kind of have to treat them as being unemployed mm-hmm. and then okay so what are we actually doing right um, because otherwise you end up with one poly partner who's going to be sitting there like, I'm broke. Yeah. I don't have any money for bills. I don't have any money for gas. Mm-hmm. I don't have money for anything. Right. Um, you know, and sometimes that trades out in other ways. Right. Um, and, and cause sometimes you actually do have an unemployed partner. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so we have to rebalance that. Right. And make that work a different way. Yeah. Or like in our situation, like I do a fair amount of work for your business. Right. Um, which isn't directly compensated. It's not like every two weeks he writes me a paycheck and goes here. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't get that. Um, but it does in turn mean that I have contributed to the bills. I have contributed to the groceries. I have done these things. Right. Just not in a way that gets uh, captured necessarily on paper. 
Well, see, and I think that was the hardest concept for you, well, for you and mother to get. Oh. For the longest time. Mm -hmm. Is when, like, because, you know, for a decade, the invisible assistant was just the invisible assistant. Um, and she was always, when is he going to get a job? And I'm like, it costs me more for him to get a job. Right. And there's been times I've debated about the automated things that we've put in, like appointment booking and now social media thing. And I'm looking for a large blog posting thing right now. If it would not be more cost effective to bring him home. But I think he will argue with me because he is really liking his job. Well, yeah, and was never a big fan of doing any of those things. Exactly. Um, um, so, yeah, it, like, and sorry, guys, if you've talked to the Invisible Assistant in the past about an appointment or whatever, it wasn't that he didn't like you. Yeah. It was legitimately he just didn't like doing appointment setting right. and, you know, sending messages and all that. It's right. just, yeah. Right. Like, did he do it? Yes. Does right. he want to do it? No. Right. Yeah. yeah, and you know, Shannon brings up that that's the way she was with her grandparents. She had uh, tasks that were to help out the house involving their business, and then I had money-making jobs, but when there wasn't money-making jobs, I still earned. And yeah, you know, we operate on a, okay, as a household, we need to move on the following items. Who's taking what and who has the time value or the money value of it? Meaning, I will throw $70 at the new God of War game if that means I don't have to handle dishes or grocery shopping next week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things that, that polycools can do. A lot of it has to come back around to, like, being respectful mm -hmm. of, like, your relationships. And that's basically a two-way street. But also recognizing that sometimes the things that your partners are doing have a monetary value. Yeah. Like, you, you kind of have to get really good on that whole progressive viewpoint that, you know, a, a stay-at-home housewife is poorly compensated for their actual duties. Right. Um, and, and recognize that, that, you know, when, when you're, you know, doing all the things, mm -hmm. running to the store and, you know, running family members and, you know, all the things... Those have monetary value. Right. Well, you know, when you're getting the kids off the bus and you're taking care of them for six hours and then you're doing, you know, meal prep and you're doing laundry and you're doing this thing. Right. Those all have a monetary value. Right. Well, and here's an example. Okay, let's do and this is how we make a lot of decisions sometimes. All right. So I know what my hourly market rate is. How long is um, a trip to Doctor in Charleston? Um, that is good oh, with your mother. Yeah. Um, to what now? Yes. Okay, that's usually about five hours. Okay. That's the trip there, the duration of the appointment, plus taking her out to eat afterwards. Right. So that's a thousand one hundred and ninety-five dollars if I have to do that responsibility. 
or it eats into what you could otherwise earn. Yeah. Maybe not to the tune of a thousand dollars and something, but it's gonna displace you in other areas. Right. You know, it's like today I got the reverse PDO <laughs> meeting. It was enjoyable. <laughs> it wasn't a thousand dollars worth. <laughs> well, technically, probably, yeah. You know, okay. but you know that you know because you know, and let me explain what it, we have to break break this back down so you guys can understand the inside joke. <laughs> so as a kid, I was in every goddamn thing. Like I was on 4-H, Upward Bound, Student Government, Prom Committee, Newspaper Committee, um, Soral Conservation, New Enterprisers, every damn thing. So my mother and sometimes my father and often my grandmother Got drugged to banquets, PTO meetings, conferences, this, that, and another. I got to enjoy the opposite of that because, you know, Mama Knight was recognized as a volunteer at the community center that she's part of today and got an award. And it was a luncheon and it was at two o'clock. And then I had fun with this. I had fun with this. Because he's sitting here and he has started his PTA analogy. It's like going to a PTA meeting. I swear to God. I was like, did they take you around and show you her artwork? And he goes, yes. Yes, they did. (laughs) They just completed a massive like 10,000 piece puzzle. So literally there was artwork. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That she was a part of. Yeah. She's apparently in a puzzle club and you know she does the kitchen and she does the shopping trips and i got to meet all the coordinators that do this and hear about how lovely she is and how sweet she is and how helpful she is and yes my mother is all those things but i also want to know what medication they give her to make her always so friendly and it was kind of cute Apparently, Mama always has her hair up in the neck because she works the kitchen there and helps prepare the meals. A lot of the people didn't know who she was until her name was called. And I thought that was kind of like really saying something. Yeah, that she's usually there to work. Yeah. And so, no, they don't just see her hanging out and, you know, hair down and out of a hairnet and all that. So, yeah. Oh, right. You know, because, you know, even though she does these other activities, her first activity of the day apparently is getting the food ready. So she just does her hair with a hairnet and goes on. Well, she puts it up and then she puts the hairnet over it. And then even if she takes off the hairnet, she doesn't pull it down. Right. So, yeah, that's basically, you know, because I found it so weird. I was picking y'all up and all these little old people were making sure to wave. Like they were just really energetically like, hi, hi. And it's like, what the hell is going on? Uh huh. And then I found out the rest of the story was they had basically like stood around going, who the hell is this bitch? I don't know her from like, I've never seen her before. Well, they thought that she was part of the other satellites because her community center has like four different satellite centers. So Mm -hmm. all the volunteers were there today. All that was there. 
Yeah. So, but anyway, they're sitting around until her name gets called, and then it's like, oh, I know her. (laughs) So it was kind of nice. It was fun, but it was an experience. But here's the changes that occurred. I logged out at five o'clock this morning instead of seven. So that's two hours off work. I will probably take an additional two hours off work tonight to catch up on my sleep. Uh, We also had to do some other things today. And, you know, there's some other experiences there. So that's unfortunately manipulates my network time. And this is the cost that we, this is the math we do all, you know, I'm doing in my head for everything. You know, or can I delegate it to somebody, i.e. normally Joe, because he also has a driver's license. The invisible has no use for a car. I think he would be happy with a horse and buggy. Especially if the horse had wings. Another inside joke. Well, you know, if he could have a unicorn horse and buggy, he would be happy. Or he's very interested in this teleporter idea. Yeah. I'm a little bit more reserved with it. I would preferably prefer a shuttle. But anyways. What about a pneumatic tube system? We could just shoot him to work. You just put a band and boop. I think that could be useful. I think it would be fun. I think he would enjoy it. You know, he does like roller coasters. Of course, you know. But, you know, these are the mathematics that goes into stuff. And this is how we handle it, is what we basically do is everything goes into the pot. You pay your, you know, the hinges pay their personal stuff, I spend my personal stuff, and then we pay the bills. Yeah. Um, but that's how we've ran it. You know, we don't have like, well, this is his shelf and this is her shelf and this is your shelf. We do one dinner. Well, we do And that's, well, yeah, but some of that, and again, that all comes back to like not creating this hierarchical mess. Right. Like if y'all haven't noticed, we're anti-hierarchical just because that's what it becomes. Right. Is literally or figuratively everyone gets a shelf and like you know this this is yours this is yours this is yours and yours is less than like ours combined because you know you came in later and it's like right. yeah, no, that didn't work right. um oh yeah so we had our pay broken down by how much uh, it was each 15 minutes hour half day etc was equivalent to in our pay and then we t- uh then when tempted to take time off we checked to see if it was worth it yeah okay see i i've done the the 15 minute thing before just because a job was so bad mm-hmm. it was like i had to like mentally reward myself with candy bars uh-huh like i had basically figured out that 15 minutes was a candy bar and so for every 15 minutes I could manage to stay there, right. I got a candy bar. Right. Couldn't actually afford to get that, but, you know. <laughs> but it is important to know what your what your time is actually worth. Right. And, the, like, and especially interesting when you know that and, like, you can take that and translate. Right. Um, the other way that, like, when you're standing at a store looking at something that's twenty five dollars and go, that's a lot of candy bars. That's a lot of fifteen minutes. That's a lot of thirty minutes. That's a lot of half days. Right. Um, you know, whatever it equates to. Right. 
Right. Um, when you're looking at that price tag for that item that you're interested in and go, is it worth it? Right. Like, is five hours of my time worth that thing? Right. You know, like, uh, maybe. Right. Oh, so our work schedule was broken down to 15 minute pieces. You could only take it that way. No odd times. So, yeah. 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 But. Definitely. That is one of those that's like, oh, really? All right. Why don't we take a break? And when we come back, we'll come back with poly relationship advice. But first is our fun segment. And that segment is finding out if he, if he brought me a good asshole case this week. Is he the asshole or not? Yes. All right. Let's go ahead and roll that glove with Murphy. Hey everybody, Lady Gwendolyn here, and as a um, certified spiritual life coach and shadow practitioner, I have thrown together everything that I have learned to develop a program that works for healing our um, shadow self and focusing on how we're going to heal ourselves for the future. I work with different types of energy work such as EFT, TFT, and EFT um, energy, uh, Reiki, access bars, and power forms. I've put them all together to create my own system that works. Um, we also work with the tarot and the oracle. So I'm not just an energy worker and a healer. I'm a psychic as well. So you can go to Lady Gwendolyn Healing, find out all about me, and book with me on there. I love you guys, and I will see you out there. Welcome back, goblins. My name is Jason, and I am the host of the Esoteric Book Club a podcast that examines titles on the magical, paranormal, the mysterious, and the strange. I release two episodes a month in which I review books on esoteric topics, recap news of the weird, and conduct interviews with authors, practitioners, and experiencers. The Esoteric Book Club can be found on every major podcast service or can be streamed directly from esotericbookclub.org. Hi, I'm Asen Knight. I've been working as a psychic for more than 20 years. I was born with psychic gifts at the age of three. Um, and with that, I'm able to help you with your love. Relationships get very complicated. I help you understand what's going on, where it's headed, where your next love is, what the lesson is, and how to improve that. I also work in career and dealing with career fields and different job opportunities and things you would like to experience in your life. I use the tarot. My favorite deck is the Gilded Tarot, and that's what I normally grab. But I also read angel cards. I also read um, Ascended Master cards. And I use astrology and numerology in your readings. All that tied in together with my clairvoyant skills, I'm able to get in there and answer your important questions quickly, clearly, and fast. I look forward to talking to you. You have a great day. All right. All right. Welcome back. I was booked an appointment at one of the sites. Just Google me. All right. So plead your asshole case. All right. Am I the asshole for prioritizing my work over my partner's? This is very petty, but we need some help. 
I work fully remotely and my partner is hybrid. We have two desks, one with a monitor and one without. Through their job, my partner gets funding to buy home office electronics, like a second monitor, and price them out, but then never bought one. It's been nearly six months. They're, they're perfectly content using mine when they're at home. But here's the problem. I need the second monitor regularly. My laptop doesn't have a camera, so I have to take meetings from that specific desk. But they also need the second monitor for their work. Today, we have overlapping meetings and both want the desk. I said I need it. It's my second monitor from my job, and we are having a big meeting with our project funders. My partner also needs it. They have a big meeting with another department. I basically said, tough luck. This is why you should have gotten a second monitor. They said, let's find a way to compromise. They're right, of course. We should find better ways to compromise in the meantime. But long term, I think they should get their own second monitor. And today, my meeting takes precedence. My boss and project partners expect me to be on camera using the office tech that they provided when I went remote. I know it's going to make my partner's life harder, and I do feel a little harsh. So am I the asshole? No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't see this one as the asshole. I'm going, you know, I, I think you've been quite gracious up to this point. Mm -hmm. um, which I think is a point you probably needed to have brought up was gonna happen. Yeah, so Shannon's like, motherfuckers should go get a monitor before their meeting. They got time, run. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know? Well, yeah. and this is the thing, and this is what, and we had a shared office at one time. Uh-huh. One time in our relationship, we had a shared office. <laughs> I would leave on Monday morning, or well, Tuesday mornings. I would clear my desk off Tuesday mornings. I would clean my desk, empty my ashtray, all that. I would return Fridays. Mm -hmm. And then unbury my desk. But no, I'm sorry, you got to prioritize your work. What do you think? What's your thoughts? Um, yeah, no, sorry. I'm just a, you know, you, you should have seen this coming. I think is probably the biggest problem I have with the with OP and their partner. Mm -hmm. You should have seen this coming. It was going to happen. Right. Um, I think six months is quite impressive yeah. that it, before it happened, but it yeah. has now happened. Right. And no, there's no way you can justify. Uh-huh. Um, having this moment with company equipment mm -hmm. um in which like the mental gymnastics right to get to i'm going to be the one to get preferential usage of something your company not my company mm -hmm. but your company bought you right for my meeting when you have a big meeting right yeah no mm -mm, no yeah. Now, if we were talking about like a one-on-one, -on -one, you would probably be like, mm, okay, you have a big meeting. I have a one-on-one -on -one with my boss. Eh, yeah. You know. It's my big meeting in the living room. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know. 
you know, I'll take that over here, you go over here. I just can't see how they're doing it. You know, if it's a one a room with two desks and they're facing each other and they're having meetings. No, I'd say they're side by side. Again, I don't see how they're having yeah. I don't see how they're having meetings at the same time. Well, I don't think it's necessarily an at the same time. Uh-huh. I think there may be some overlap of the meetings, like mm-hmm. one's from one to two and the other one's from two to three. Right. Um, which could happen. and Or it may be, you know, like I'm going to be in the meeting for a portion of it and then I'm only going to talk for like 15 minutes versus the other one is in a meeting and has a whole presentation section. Right. Um. Those those can overlap without any problem, right? Um, and it may be a moment where they can go to opposite sides of the house for that, right? Just the fundamental problem being they both want the comfort, right? Well, the one partner wants the comfort of the desk; the other partner legit straight up needs it because hi, this is the only one with a camera that I have access to, right? Um, so you know, like you can make that. Right. Like, you, you can share an office without necessarily share the office. Right. But, you know, yeah. we have stuff that collides too often. Right. Yeah, no. Well, and we can't even do the show side by side. No, we can't do the show side by side. And I love you, darling. But if we ever move out of the house, we are getting our own offices. We cannot share yeah, that's offices. that's been the game plan. Yeah, that's been the game plan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, no, they're, they're, no, no, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. It, you know, we can be in the same space, but we need our own offices. All right. So the poll is up on the YouTube over at asonite.com. If you want to go vote, is he the asshole or is he not the asshole? Yes. Yes. All right. So we're ready for relationship. Or poly relationship advice? Yes, we're going for poly relationship advice. All right. Defining relationship and picking labels. I met a stunning man eight months ago who practices ethical non-monogamy with several long-term partners who live in various places. I know details about the metas, and I make sure to know he can share information about them when he wants so that he can feel supported and comfortable in these relationships with me. I really admire his ability to hold so many rich long-term connections. We had our first date play session when we met, and we have kept in touch ever since. We live on opposite coasts, but I intend to move closer soon. We visit each other every few months, text every day, and call a few times a week. I've grown really fond of this person. My feelings are intensifying as I learn more about him. The feelings seem to be mutual, and we express love regularly. I've been feeling a strong desire to define our relationship with a label, which would make me feel more secure in my connection with him. We are fairly kinky, so I've suggested that I would be open to collaring if the feelings were mutual. That did not happen yet. Perhaps uh, the moment did not arise. So I began thinking of alternative options to define our bond. He often says there is space in his life for me, although I still don't really understand what space means. The last time I visited he, uh, him, we had an open discussion about what the future could hold, During this discussion, I asked what the word partner means to him. He told me it is essentially the same as the word lover, which he 
feels very casual to me, which feels very casual to me. In our discussion, I mentioned that I like the word partner, but currently don't know what labels would feel right. I felt like he did a quick diversion and the conversation moved in a different direction. Ultimately, we failed to put a label on anything at the time. Recently, about a month later uh, from this initial conversation, the topic has come up again because he uh, had referred to me as more than a friend, which I felt was a good time to ask if he would be comfortable being considered a boyfriend. He said the sentiment is mutual, but in a polycule terms matter. But he mentioned we can discuss terminology in a call or in person to which I responded that I would like to agree on a term so that I don't need to play verbal gymnastics when describing our bond to family and friends. He said, for now, I should refer to him as guy I'm seeing. I can't help but feel like that is a way to kindly say no, or at least no for now. And now I feel slightly anxious and insecure about where I thought we had gotten. I feel like there is now a barrier between us, or perhaps there is some agreement he may have with these other people that may not make him available to me in some ways that I was blind to. I'm feeling like I may want to take a small step back from the energy I've been investing, but I don't want to spoil the sweet chemistry we have together and certain, uh, and certainly would not want to end things altogether as that would make me sad. I'm wondering if anyone has any advice on how to ease this label anxiety and how to prep for a productive conversation about the future together. I want to have a clear understanding of what's available to me and what is not. Right. So, in my viewpoint, you come up with your own labels. Okay. Common labels, uncommon labels. You got to find comfortable ones. You know, I I think OP is getting a little hung up on the labels. Yeah, well, and Brenda's basically there. Drop the label and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you haven't moved yet. You're you're not in, so to speak, serious dating like legitimate territory, right? As in, you're within a physical area in which you can legit date. Right, but at the same time, they are not in a geolocation, even though they have a lot of deep communication going on right now, which is wonderful. She's still in comic zone for me. Yeah. Yeah, if you're on a whole other coast. Yeah. I mean, I understand, you know, as you're getting ready to uproot your entire life and move closer, you want something more than guy I've been seeing. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that seems like I I would say that would feel a little flighty too, right? Like, oh, I'm going to totally uproot my life to move closer to the guy that I am seeing. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not my boyfriend. He's not my partner. And you know, like, I'm sorry, I feel like such a debt's trying to explain that to anyone. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I quit my job and, you know, closed my bank account and, you know, moved halfway, well, moved entirely across the country Mm -hmm. for this relation, for the situationship. Like, I don't even, I don't even know if they can call it a relationship at this point. Right. Um, Which I think should make you stop and consider whether moving is right for this situation, Chip. Right. Like, 
sometimes you enjoy what you have without trying to make it more serious. Right. And sometimes you've got to show your heels and look at where you are communally and mm-hmm. where you are emotionally. Because very often term your term for somebody doesn't equal their term for you. Right. Um, so yeah, I I think that is him saying no or no for now. Right. Or him saying we need to talk terminology. Because I'm telling you, there are labels upon labels upon labels out there. Like someone took the label machine and let it go. Well, yeah. But I like I'm so confused though, independently. Okay. I, I could understand not being so keen on partner because that seems way more involved. Right. Um, I don't get why boyfriend would be a problem. I feel boyfriend would be a problem because that means that there's fidelity there. Well, no, I mean, I, I think you can call someone a boyfriend without, you know, that necessarily implying that you're in a deep, committed, monogamous relationship. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I like, oh, it's just a boyfriend, someone I dated. Right. Like, you know, people do that all the time. Right. Oh, you know, yeah, we went on a few dates. Yeah, right. we were together for a few months. Right. You know, eh. Yeah. Well, his name or my person. Oh, see. My person hits me weird. It's ew. Yeah. Ew. 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 Like, I, like, here's the thing. Um, And and maybe this is a monogamy, non-monogamy thing. Um, Like, there's no people ownership. Right. And, like, I hear my person and I'm just like, oh, ew. Ew, I feel no owned. Ew, yeah. owned. <laughs> All right, well, what's your favorite label? Um, I don't have one. That's been my biggest effing problem. Okay. I really don't. I really don't. Um, Because there is, and this is also part of the problem that they're running into, is there are not good labels. I like to use when you're when you're in the in between. Right. You you know who they are. You want to spend more time with them, approaching a long term relationship, maybe. Uh huh. Meanwhile, you're you're not there yet. Right. Like there's there's this weird gray period. Uh huh. Where it's like I like eh, you're not my partner. Right. Boyfriend, I can I can live with. I'm fine with that one. That is really to me boyfriend like fucking kids in elementary school have boyfriends. Uh-huh. Um, you know what I mean? Like if if a kid in elementary school can have a boyfriend, then it's not really that serious, is it? Yeah. I don't know. My you favorite know, label to use for you is my cub. Well, yeah, but that's very specific. Yeah, that or, you know, oh, that's my first lady. Uh, no, I hate that one. I know you do. I just wait oh. for one of these days for you to pull out your backpack and put, you know, pull out a hat, put it on, pull out white gloves and put it on and go, yes, what do you want? 
I don't think in our relationship that's what you should be waiting for. I know. I just think it would be comedical as hell. I mean, the only way I'm pulling out the gloves is if I use them to slap the shit out of you for calling me that again. Um, that's how that's going to work out one day is one day I will pull gloves out of a bag and just yeah. be like, no, never, ever, 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 ever again. Yeah. Um, you know, very Joan Crawford, you know. Yeah. Um, but no. No I more wire hangers ever. <laughs> yeah. But Cub, I think that that's been the most comfortable one. And it, and it kind of ties into my favorite one is normally bear. Oh, that's my bear. Little Jackie O hat, gloves and pearls. You know nothing about me if you think that's part of my wardrobe ever. No, but I'll add that to the Christmas list. <laughs> no. With even pearl earrings. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Wait till you find out where pearls can get shoved. <laughs> oh, I know where pearls can get shoved, honey. That's why I get shoved for the size. Mm hmm. Oh, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, because let me think of some of the other labels that I commonly use just for you. Well, that's my husband. That's my boyfriend. That's my significant other. That's my cub. Um, I've actually said that's my other is personal a good assistant. Well, significant other is a good one. Yeah, that's too wordy. Well, yeah, that's what everyone says about it. But when you're looking for terms and you want somewhere between... Uh-huh. Like somewhere pre-partner that says there is something more here when actually huh? Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brenda's like, no, just think it would be funny as hell. Uh yes, I that I, I can agree to. Yes. Me and a little Jackie O hat with gloves and pearls. That would be hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um Oh, what does he use for me? Oh well, normally well that asshole. I have not to your face. Um, <laughs> yes, you have. Whole list. Now, hold on. We're talking about to your face. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, like, we should clarify. This is to one space. There's mm -hmm. a lot of things you use for your partner behind their back. Yeah. <laughs> um... I still struggle with it sometimes. The most comfortable I get is with partner. Uh-huh. Um, I do. I And I don't know why. Like, husband, I feel weird about trying to lay claim to that one because it's a polycule. And, you know, if that were to happen, mm -hmm. um, which I think we've kind of generally agreed to avoid that because it would like, and I'm talking about full legal marriage that would normally confer the term husband. Um, that's a one and done, legally speaking. It's a one and done. You get one of them. Um, you, you don't get a multitude. You get one. Uh -huh. um, so I don't really want to lay claim to that because, like, one, I'm not really big on marriage, period. And two, um, you know, I... To me, that almost sounds like it gets hierarchical. Like, that's usually your your A1 on hierarchies. No, I use it, it with both of you. Yeah. 
Now, Husbear, I use that one occasionally because I don't take that one as seriously as Husband. Right. Yeah. Oh, I frequently say my other half. Yeah. Though I still have issues with that one because technically that's true for me, but not for you. Like you're my, well, because it's a hinge relationship, you're my other half, but I'm your other third. Well, it is. It's true. It's the way that works. You, the terms I don't like people using those is that's a second. No, that's not my second. Oh, God, no. That one's horrible. Ew. Yeah. Um, then it sounds like, you know, you're a drink, and it's like, no. Um, and I've had hard arguments do that one. Um, oh, yeah, the second, the third, the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't have time to walk around and put numbers on your clothes, much less you. Yeah, really. Yeah. Thing one and thing two. Now, you have used that. Thing one and thing two. <laughs> I have. Boys. Uh, yeah, I like how's bear. I like bear normally. Like, that'll get my attention. Yeah. Like, I use that one fairly often. Yeah. Though that's more of a to each other, not necessarily like that's an around the house one. Yeah. Well, no, that's a friends too. Well, yeah, that too, but it's not like I'm in the middle of a department store talking about my bear because I don't have time for the fucking read in where you have to sit there and take someone who's totally oblivious and be like, okay, so here's the situation. Uh-huh. Like, uh-uh, I'm not new. Well, and I don't think that we take time to read in many people, because we just don't take time because it's not necessary. Well, it's like that time that a friend of, uh, like, my friend and I ended up at this god-awful, unfortunate, middle-of-nowhere gas station. Uh-huh. And, bless her heart, she, she demanded my wallet as we walk into the gas station because i had to go to the bathroom um and she was having a a time of the month mm -hmm. uh crisis mm -hmm. and no money um and so ergo my wallet um <laughs> and so i just hand over my wallet go to the bathroom and like her periods were especially mm, crunchy um, in terms of her personality. And um, so anyway, she she was really hateful with me, said all these horrible things, which as her friend, I've gotten used to, like this is the next five days at least. Right. And so anyway, I'm just whatever. Right. And so this poor little old lady looks at me and says, is your wife going to be okay? Mm-hmm. I just chose to answer, she'll be fine, it's that time. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, is she always like this? Yes. Yes, she is. I did not take time to read this poor old lady into the situation of, she's a lesbian, I'm a gay man, this is not the marriage you think it is, okay? No, it's the 1950s version of marriage, but anyhow, and you know. Like, yeah, and that happens, just... that happens commonly, and I get so annoyed with it. But no, like, one, I don't 
catch people with the speedability. They figure it out as they will. Yeah, I thought it was cute. She was concerned about my friend, and it's like, yeah, I can understand. She is a little homicidal right now. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, but, do you know what it's like to have your to have someone demand your wallet and cuss you out at the same time? Yes, I've done it. It's very awkward. It I, mean, I can understand this poor little lady going. The only person that can pull that one off <laughs> has to be his wife. Uh huh. Yeah. So I'm just like not gonna fix that. Not gonna fix. No, that. I got a pop. I got a. I got a husband pop quiz. Oh, husband pop quiz. What term do you know that you have pissed me off if I'm using it? Uh, dear usually. No, specifically to you. My middle name. Well, no, your two initials. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, well, that's not always that you're angry. Is I mean, sometimes it is, but... Like, sometimes you just use it kind of comically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's my first measure of... Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> Look here, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I like I well, here's the thing though, is I don't typically call people names when I'm mad. He just knows I'm mad because I've just uttered the phrase that means I'm mad, which is I'll do it myself. Uh-huh. Like that's usually where all my anger goes to is I'll do it myself. Mm-hmm. Like JB, I'm going to go handle this. Yeah. If it gives me too much trouble, I'll reenact the rest of Dallas. <laughs> Edwin knows to run if I use, you know what, before I say anything else. <laughs> I will say I do borrow one from my sister because I always liked it, even uh-huh. though it, to me on, on another perspective, it's probably really bad, but I occasionally have the moment uh, where I use one of my sisters, which is, I love you, and it's a good thing. <laughs> like, if like that's usually like a good snake rattle of like, I don't know what the hell you're doing, uh-huh. but you need to stop this. Uh-huh. Oh, but, yeah, I'm a fine user of fine. Everything's oh, fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's fine. It's just fine. Just wait till I get you uh, home. Yeah, you're lucky I love you. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I specifically do the, you know, I love you and it's a good thing. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yep. Oh, yeah. Brenda says, yep, have said that many times, Shannon. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's see if he won his asshole case tonight. I think I did. I think I did. I'm not the asshole. I know it. I know it. You are not the asshole. By 100% vote. Last last show, you actually had a tie, but it was kind of like, well, if everyone's shitty, that's more of a... Yeah, yeah. Like, you said that, and then I was like, wait, what was the result? And it's like, well, there was a tie of 50-50 between... 
a, the three-way vote that you could have gone, which is everyone's shitty here and you're the asshole. And it was like, yeah, well, I think technically that all sided to at least the asshole. Right. There's a little play on is everyone else kind of an asshole? Right. Maybe. Maybe. All right, guys. You have a great night. We will see you Sunday night for Psychic the Plans. So, of course, we want to thank Beverly Walker, Mika G, Kathy, Mary Winfield, Brenda, Shannon C, Shannon D, Lady Gwendolyn, Charles Shaw, Tracy Van, Caitlin Bell, and Devin. If you'd like to learn more about us, the show, or how you, too, can become a Patreon sponsor and receive all the wonderful benefits our baristas receive, please visit us at pcspnetwork.com. Yep. And just a word to our baristas, we are in the midst of updating your benefits. Yes! New benefit codes, new things will be going out. Pay attention to that. When it goes out, I will probably send it to email and then include it into the welcome letter. Anyway, with that, guys, good night. Good night.